Some say he's a technical whiz. Some say he was born in Cornwall. While some say that he's on a journey. It's the journey. And here's your host, David Hackett. the journey we welcome terry tucker to the journey well, david thanks for having me i'm looking forward to talking with you today thank you so i gather before we started talking you said about listening to a previous podcast david and enters now is circumstances and no doubt you won't mind me saying this this is circumstances is different than yours because obviously his was based around weight and now he was eager to keep fit and losing his friend who was sadly down to obesity so what makes your journey as a motivational speaker begin where did it all begin i i think it's kind of begun when I started playing basketball. I, I was fortunate. I started playing basketball when I was nine years old and played all the way up until I graduated from college. And I think you learn things when you're on a team. You know, I, I learned things being part of team sports. And it doesn't, for me, it was sports. I don't think it has to be sports. I think whatever your team is, your family, the people you work with, your friends, whatever that ends up being, But one of the most important things that I learned from team sports was the importance of being part of something that's bigger than yourself. You realize that on a team, if you don't do your job, not only do you let yourself down, but you let your teammates down, your coaches down, your fans down, et cetera. And if you think about it, the biggest team game that we all play is this game of life. So I think it started for me early on. It it certainly has developed over these last 10 years that I've been dealing with cancer, Um, certainly playing college basketball helped. Being a SWAT team hostage negotiator was also a time where I think I did some good work, but I also think I learned a lot about the importance of listening and relationship and things like that. So I really kind of feel my, my motivational speaking career is really a culmination of my life to this point. Yeah, so we will talk about your survival with cancer and how it's been affecting you obviously later in the interview but motivational speaking as old do you feel like people listen to it more nowadays than they have done in previous years i think the avenues with social media and that being uh putting it out there where it's not like you've got to go somewhere to a seminar or or something like that where there's somebody talking and you take something away from it you can now you know, go on YouTube, go on different podcasts and listen to all kinds of, of motivational speakers. So I think the the avenues to, to put that out there certainly uh, have grown and, and are part of really the fabric of our society today. But I also think with COVID and the fact that that, that disease, that pandemic isolated us so much, it gave people really a forced opportunity to listen to more motivation, to to take more responsibility 
for their own success and happiness and try to figure out how they can motivate themselves in their lives. Yeah, because I know what I used to work on a radio station, so I know how media works. So I always say it's like a media outlet without being media-based. Now, I try and avoid subjects when I do talk about politics because I think politics, one, can lead yourself into too many rabbit holes. So I try and avoid that. But I used to listen to TED Talks. I still do now because I believe TED Talks, even though that is, like you said, the place where you go and you take something away from it, you do go there or you do listen and you do take something away from it. So when pandemic was, I think it was just before the pandemic here, I thought, why not interview people? Because I want to make that difference and I want to explore people's journeys. So... That's my take of why I do a podcast. That's why I feel like I'm motivating people, interviewing people, because everyone's got a journey. And you've, like, you know yourself, you are on a journey. You've been on a journey. You're still on it, like I am still on a journey. So, in your career, it says marketing executive, hospital administrator. Now, I know what working in hospitals like. So, I can understand that was a bit stressful at times. So I have to be mindful there. Um, SWAT team hostage negotiator, I can imagine the stresses you add with that. So um, you developed cancer. Was that in 2018 or was that before 2018? Actually, that was 2012 when I was initially diagnosed with my cancer. So you had it for six years and then it got, they, did you get clear at all? Was it always in your body up to 2018? Uh, I, I never got really clear of it. My, my oncologist used to tell me that wherever your cancer is in your body, when you initially got cancer, it's, it, that's, that's where it is. It's not like it's going to move somewhere, wherever it was. The, the problem, and and we certainly have, technology with with PET scans and CAT scans and MRIs to look inside the body and see things. The problem is, is that in order for a tumor to be seen on one of those scans, it has to be the size of a garden pea, you know, something we're going to, you would eat. And that's a billion cells, if you think about it. So, you know, it can be in your lungs, but it's too small to be seen by the imagery that we have today. And that was my case. My cancer started out on the bottom of my foot. I had a a callus break open right below my third toe. And at the time I was a girls high school basketball coach in Texas. And so initially I didn't think much of it because as a coach, you're on your feet a lot. But after a few weeks of it not healing, I made an appointment and went to see a, a podiatrist, a foot doctor friend of mine. And he took an x-ray and he said, Terry, I think you have a little cyst in there and I can cut it out. And he did. And he showed it to me. It's this little gelatin sack with some white fat in it, no dark spots, no blood, nothing that gave either one of us concern, but he sent it off to pathology. And two weeks later, I received the call from him. And as I said, he was a friend of mine. And the more difficulty he was having explaining to me what was going on, the more frightened I was becoming until finally he just laid it out for me. He said, Terry, I've been a doctor for 25 years. I have never seen the form of cancer that you have. 
you have an incredibly rare form of melanoma that appears mm. on the bottom of the feet or the palms of the hands. And because my cancer was so rare, he recommended that I go to MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston to be treated. And that started my 10-year odyssey. Yeah, so your 10-year odyssey, as you put it, and then obviously it resulted in the amputation, sadly, of your foot and then your leg in 2020. And that is the saddest reality when you realise you your life has to change again. But we'll talk about, you know, now as in now, now. How do you think things have been for you since having the amputations for both amputations? They certainly have not been easy. That's a, that's a question I had a, a nurse uh, ask me fairly recently when I was in treatment. I still have tumors in my lungs that I'm treated for every three weeks. And she asked me, you know, what was it like to be a, an amputee, to not have a foot and then to not have a leg? And my leg amputation is a, above the knee amputation. And I told her, you know, it hasn't been easy. I'm still learning how to walk again with the prosthetic. I'm six foot eight inches tall. So falling is not an option for me. You, you get hurt from this height yeah. if you fall. But what I told her was cancer can take all my physical faculties, but cancer can't touch my mind. It can't touch my heart and it can't touch my soul. And that's who I am. That's who you are, David. That's who everybody who's listening to us. That's who we really are. You know, we spend a lot of time on our bodies, you know, does my hair look good? Am I wearing the right thing? Have I been to the gym this week? We spend a lot of time on this vessel or this house that really holds who we really are. And I don't think we spend enough time concentrating on our heart, our mind, and our soul, because in reality, I believe that's who we really are. Yeah, I totally understand that. And, you know, I can't understand how it is for losing limbs because I haven't lost any limbs, but I do understand your theory about how it is about the heart and soul. So that leads into the motivation. Do you think it comes from the heart and soul being motivated as a person? You know, I think motivation, you know, people talk about motivation a lot. You need to be motivated. You need to be motivated. I think motivation, the way I describe it is like lighting the fuse. Motivation is that lighting the fuse. You need two other things in order to be successful. One, you need to have discipline. And two, you need to have good habits. So if you're motivated, but you're not disciplined to do the things you need to do, then that motivation is kind of lost. Conversely, you know, if you're you're motivated, but you don't have good habits, you're not doing things that are going to lead you to be being successful in whatever you're trying to pursue, then again, that's not going to do you any good. You need all three. So if you're motivated and you have the discipline to implement the good habits, you're much farther along your goal of getting to where you want to be than the person who, yeah, I'm just motivated, but I don't have good habits and I'm not disciplined to implement those habits. Mm, I understand that because like, I'm not saying every single person I know are unmotivated, but it just takes the odd person just to really remind them to feel positive and feel inspired. And I know telling these people, it's not a battle. It's just making them feel good and feeling understanding that they are worth something because they are worth something and they mean a lot to me as an individual because I feel like they are not 
young and immature. They're just young in their journey, and they need that push to be on their journey. No, absolutely. I, you know, everybody has value, and 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 I I would challenge anybody to tell me tell me that somebody doesn't. I don't care what they are, or what they're going through in life. Everything has value, and I think that's also your responsibility to create value in other people's lives as well. You know, if you want to be hired by a company, if you want to go to work for somebody, you need to show that person that you have value. Hey, here's what I'm going to bring to the table. Here's what I'm going to bring to your company, to your organization, whatever it is. And I don't think a lot of people realize that, that it's like, well, you know what, I've got a degree and I've got some experience, so you should hire me. Well, what problem are you going to help me solve? as a company. You know, what do you bring here that everybody else here isn't able to do? What problem are you going to make better in my life? It's not just I've got a degree and I've got some experience. It's what value do you bring to the organization, to a relationship? You know, if you think about, you know, somebody you're looking at a relationship with, what value do you bring to that relationship? So it's all what you know, we all have value, but it's also what value we bring to other people. Mm. I understand. So going into the books, you wrote your book, Sustainable Excellence, 10 Principles to Lead in Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. First of all, what's the meaning behind the t- title? And I can see yeah, it. Sustainable behind. Excellence. People always yeah. ask me. And, like, I, I, and I can see the book behind you now. So. It, it is, yes. What is excellence? And my response to that is, I don't know. And, and then people get mad at me like, well, wait a minute, you wrote the book. It's got, you've got to know. And, and the reason I say I don't know is that, you know, David, you and I may look at the exact same, let's just use a sports team, for example. You may look at a sports team and say, man, those guys are excellent. I may look at it and say, yeah, I think they're good, but I don't think they're excellent. So I think excellence sort of like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You have to determine in your own mind what excellence is. And then if you look at, you get to that point, and I've seen, I've seen this in so many companies where they get to a point, this is our, this is our goal. This is where we will feel we will be excellent. And they get there. And then what do they do? They sort of sit back, they put their feet up on the desk, they pour themselves, you know, a drink, and they're like, I've arrived. <laughs> and then six months or a year later, boom, somebody passes them up. And now that person or that company is, is farther along on the curve. And they're like, wait a minute, what happened? Well, what happened is you didn't sustain your excellence. Because if you just get to a point and you say, okay, I'm excellent. And you figure, well, I'll just do what I did that got me here. That's not good enough. You've got to constantly be innovating. You've got to constantly be changing. You've got to constantly be looking at better ways to do things to constantly sustain that excellence. And people don't do that. They get, you know, they work real hard and they get to a point where it's like, okay, I've arrived, I've made it. You know, my company's successful or I'm successful. And then somebody passes them up and they're like, what happened? You didn't sustain that excellence. So that's kind of where the title came from, for me. I've always been a person in my life that wanted to be associated with excellence, with the best people, the best equipment, the best training and things like that. That's one of the reasons I got on the SWAT team uh, with the Cincinnati Police Department. And so that that's that's been a big, important part of my life. 
So I wanted to include that when I when I came up with the title. <laughs> and I assume this is available for most places online, like Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Yeah, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Apple iBooks, wherever you get a book online, you can get sustainable excellence. And I'll make sure I put the links in the description afterwards. Thank you. So um, it then goes on to say you featured in Authority, Five Global and Human Capital Leadership magazines. Now, I assume it's the same principle what are we doing a podcast, but in paper form, I assume. So you just presented yourself you excelled in saying this is me and you wanted people to read about you exactly and people had reached out and said hey we'd like to feature you in our magazine and i was like i'd be more than happy to do that it, it was a, just a different way of delivering the same message that i do on podcasts uh just like we're doing yeah so going into the future where do you see yourself heading that's a great question i I'm thinking about another book, you know, Sustainable Excellence is a book about success, how we can be successful in life. I'm thinking about another book that also begins with a with a letter S, and that's a book about significance. You know, success is kind of what we do for ourselves. We, we are successful at something. Significance is what we do to help other people. So, I, I mean, I think you can be both. I think you can be successful and significant in life. But I'm thinking about potentially a second book on significance. I've also started the Sustainable Excellence Membership, which is a deeper dive into the, the principles and the chapters that are in my book. So I'm spending a lot of time trying to get all the, the parts in place for that as well. Um, and then I'll continue on with my treatment uh, as long as my doctor feels that it's it's beneficial and it's helping me. So those are pretty much the three big things I've got going in my life right now. And that will be happening in towards 2023, which is not long to go. So I know the dreams and achievements will start happening for you on that for next year. So to conclude, um, first of all, how can people get hold of you if they want to contact you? Because I know there might be some people saying, how do I get in contact with Terry? I like what he's saying. I want to reach out to him. Yeah, I have a, a blog called Motivational Check. And every day I put up a thought for the day on there. And with that thought usually comes a question about maybe how you could apply that thought into your life. Uh, on Mondays, I put up the Monday morning motivational message. The, since uh, this week, it's about uh, resilience. Uh, and I also have recommendations for books to read, videos to watch. You can get access to my uh social media links. You can also see the different podcasts that I've been on. So it's all motivationalcheck.com. You can also leave me a message there and I will respond to everybody that leaves me a message in English. I have to say that because people will <laughs> send me a message in some language that I, I have no idea what that person just asked me. So please, if you want to reach out to me, do it in English. It's the only language I speak. And I know for a fact that most people are not being any way basic or anything, but I know the majority of listeners are English. So, but okay. it's good to know. Please make sure it's in English. Um, last of all, what would you want to say to people on their journey, on their beginning of their journey? Like I said, I know someone who is at their beginning of their journey because they've come from where they've come from 
to where they are now. So, for example, if you was addressing that person, what would you say to them? Let me tell you a story, uh, and, and if we can probably end with this. I've always been a big fan of Westerns growing up. Uh, I'm much older than you are. So, you know, when I was younger, my mom and dad used to let me stay up and watch, you know, Gunsmoke and Bonanza. <laughs> and my favorite was Wild Wild West. 1993, the movie Tombstone came out. You may have seen it. It was a oh, huge yeah, blockbuster. Starred Val Kilmer as a man by the name of John Doc Holliday and Kurt Russell as a man by the name of Wyatt Earp. Now, Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp were two living, breathing human beings who walked on the face of the earth. They're not made up characters just for the movie. Now, Doc was called Doc because he was a dentist by trade, but pretty much Doc Holliday was a gunslinger and a card shark. And Wyatt Earp, most of his adult life, had been some form of a lawman. And somehow these two men from entirely opposite backgrounds come together and form this very close friendship. And at the end of the movie, Doc Holliday is dying at a sanitarium in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, which is about three hours from where I live. The real Doc Holliday died at that sanitarium and he's buried in the Glenwood Springs Cemetery. And Wyatt at this point in his life is destitute. He has no money, he has no job, he has no prospects for a job. So every day he comes to play cards with Doc and the two men pass the time that way. And in this almost last scene in the movie, they're talking about what they want out of life. And Doc says, you know, when I was younger, I was in love with my cousin, but she joined a convent over the affair, but she's all that I ever wanted. And then he looks at Wyatt and he says, what about you, Wyatt? What do you want? And Wyatt kind of nonchalantly says, I just want to lead a normal life. And Doc looks at him and says, there's no normal, there's just life. And get on with living yours. David, you and I probably know people, there's probably people out there listening to us that are sort of sitting back and saying, well, when this happens, I'll have a normal life. Or when this arises, I'll have a successful life. Or when this occurs, I'll have a significant life. What I'd like to leave your listeners with is this, don't wait. Don't wait for life to come to you. Get out there, find the reason you were put on the face of this earth, use your unique gifts and talents and live that reason. Because if you do at the end of your life, I'm going to promise you two things. Number one, you're going to be a whole lot happier. And number two, you're going to have a whole lot more peace in your heart. Terry Tucker, what a journey you have and still having. And I hope the cancer stays clear and you stay in remission. Well, thank you for sharing your journey with us today. Well, David, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. was the journey hosted by wise words imaging hosted by david hackett be sure to like subscribe and listen to another journey coming soon